Man, and how about that new intro music? <laughs> Dang, man, like I'm loving that. Shout out to Matt for finding that gem. Uh, but yes, hello and welcome back to the Golden Hurricast. It's been a while, first time in a long time. Uh, we are a weekly podcast covering Golden Hurricane Athletics at the University of Tulsa. I'm Ryan Token. I'm Matt Rexine. And I'm Pat Fox. And as convincing as Pat's voice probably is, that was not Pat. We do have some bad news, sad news to bring up right off the bat. Our good friend and co-creator of the Golden Hurricast, Pat Fox, Patrick Fox, many other names he goes by, he will not be joining us for the podcast this year. The guy is just incredibly busy. He has had a ton going on, especially recently, and uh, you know he'll, he'll revisit it next year and see what happens, and we'll go from there. Um, Obviously, he will be more than welcome on any episodes he can join in on. So hopefully you'll be hearing his beautiful voice once again very soon. But you will primarily be rolling with Matt and myself for this year. And we are super stoked to get this thing started once again. As I mentioned, it's been a long time. It's been, you know, since February. Uh, Mar- did we did we even make it to March? It was that weekend we were originally going to go down to Fort Worth. So whenever the NCAA... Or- AAC tournament yes. was that was our last episode we didn't <laughs> think so yeah um, yeah it was like the day before we were about to drive down mm-hmm. to Fort Worth right yeah. that we found out yeah so, so it's been since then that long uh, just a super long time we are super glad to be back incredibly excited that there is still currently um, a football season you know hopefully happening hopefully all this drama doesn't spread to basketball season as well but yeah um, COVID-19 we are Believe it or not, still in the middle of it, uh, dealing with the repercussions from all of that. But, you know, we'll take it in stride. Um, but I don't want to spend too much time on that now since we'll talk about it later on in the episode. And that brings me to today. And if you've been following along with us on Twitter, you've probably seen um, some of you sent in questions. Thank you very much for doing that. We got as many of those answered as we could. But, yeah, you've probably seen we've got a big-time guest scheduled for the show today. Uh, one of the guests we've been most excited to have um, on the show throughout the entire time. You know, this is year three. We're starting here at the Hurricast. Uh, we've got Bruce Howard himself, the voice of the Golden Hurricane, the 27-year voice broadcast play-by-play man is joining us on the show today. We talked to him about all kinds of stuff, everything from COVID's effect on the season, Derek Gregg leaving, the season that has most surprised him throughout his career, his favorite call from throughout his career, his quote-unquote Bible, as he calls it. You know, if you've heard, he, he's got these, uh, I think it's four note sheets that he brings to every broadcast, all kinds of stuff. We really did have a blast um, talking with him. Super excited to let you guys in on that one. Um, also, a quick note before we go in, we did buy some new microphones as well as some new recording software, and this was our first attempt at using it. Uh, so you may hear some distortion during our interview with Bruce, but Hopefully, as you can tell from the intro we've recorded after the interview, we have figured out what was causing that distortion. Um, Unfortunately, we didn't figure it out uh, beforehand. So it is part of the the interview, uh, but the before and after, at least on my end, should be fixed. So without further ado, let's get into it. All right, so we are here with Bruce Howard. Bruce, I've got to tell you, we are so excited to be talking with you today. It feels like we've got a bona fide Tulsa living legend on the show with us today, and it's it's amazing. I've I've been looking forward to hopefully talking with you for a long time. So very excited to have you here. Uh, thank you for taking the time out of your day 
um, and especially in the midst of you know everything going on. So how are, how are you doing today? And um, introduce yourself to, to everybody. Well, yeah, thank you, Ryan and Matt. I appreciate it, and I appreciate uh, your interest in the program, and uh, and I appreciate the you know what what you said. I I don't consider myself a legend, but uh, you know it's it's always good if if some folks do kind of notice your work and appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, like I said, I couldn't be more excited to have you on. Uh, without further ado, let's get to kind of the first one. Just to kick things off, um, just sort of an introduction to who you are for any listeners who don't know your background like like we do, and I'm sure many others who are listening do. Um, but do you mind kind of telling us how you got started with broadcasting in general and what brought you to Tulsa, the city, and also Tulsa, the university? And then if I, if I remember right, you went to college in New York, if I remember that, and are, are you originally from New York? Yeah, Ryan, actually, I was born in Pennsylvania in uh, the northeast corner of Pennsylvania, Bradford County, but we moved to New York State when I was three years old. Still have lots of relatives down in uh, in that area in Pennsylvania, but grew up in central New York, and I always say, especially when I go farther west, that I always say upstate New York. You know, I'm from New York, upstate New York, because people think of New York City when they think of uh, New York and uh, in upstate New York and the area that I grew up is called the Finger Lakes region. It's an absolutely beautiful country uh, with with lakes. Uh, th- those lakes are, are, are wonderful. And I live between two of those lakes on a dairy farm. So when I talk to people about New York and I talk about a dairy farm, they're wondering, you know, how did you get those cows up the elevators and all that sort of stuff? But it's uh, but grew up in a very rural area and uh, went to school in Auburn, New York at Cayuga College and got my degree and immediately started working at age 19 in radio, full-time radio up in uh, Watertown, New York, which was actually just south of the Canadian border. Uh, One of the things as a side note that I did very early in my career, and you may have seen this in some of the various articles, is uh, I had a chance to report on and be a, quote, local reporter. I had a local uh, press pass for the 1980 Olympics. Uh, so I was up there in Lake Placid during that period of time and got to watch the uh, the Miracle on Ice and uh, Eric Hyden and a number of other things, uh, which was a really terrific early in my career uh, training uh, ground, I guess, if you will, uh, to be in an event like that. So that was that was kind of something really cool uh, during my my early career. And, and during that time in uh, Watertown, New York, you know, just did a lot of high school broadcasts, a lot of a lot of broadcasts of high school football and junior college basketball, uh, high school basketball and that sort of thing and kind of cut my teeth up there. Uh, went to Knoxville in 1987 and worked a little bit there. In fact, I was uh, the color man on University of Tennessee women's basketball. Uh, back in those days and you know what a terrific program they had there and when they won their first national championship that was that was the first year I was down there so um, you know just uh, Pat Head Summit was just terrific uh, and and she was just really starting to win championships at that point so uh, spent some time there went to Nashville and was working on a sports talk show there and then finally in 1989 moved to um, Tulsa Oklahoma to take the job with the Tulsa Drillers uh, Worked there for five years before I got the uh, job with the University of Tulsa in 1993 and actually worked both the drillers and University of Tulsa uh, for a couple of years, 93 through 95. A uh, couple of very good part-time jobs. I wasn't working full-time for either either of those uh, entities, but 
I was doing lots of games. I was doing 140 baseball games for the drillers, and I was doing, you know, some 40 or 50 some odd events for the University of Tulsa. So uh, all of that, um, you know, kind of led me to starting to work full time in the mid 90s for the University of Tulsa. And I've, I've been here ever since. So it's uh, it, it's been fun. It's it's better than working. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So what kind of brought you or what what drew your interest in the drillers, you know, in Tulsa? Well, and I was in Nashville at the time uh, doing some right. talk show stuff and occasionally getting, but but I really like play-by-play. I really enjoyed, uh, you know, describing the game as it occurred and describing for the fans. And I just wasn't getting a whole lot of opportunity to do play-by-play in Nashville. So um, in the spring of 1989, I just decided, hey, I'm going to go to the winter meetings in Atlanta, Georgia, and uh, and 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 throw my name into the into the uh, into the ring for a lot of different minor league uh, you know opportunities that were out there and there were there were many uh, and I interviewed for the Richmond Braves and for the Pawtucket Red Sox and Wichita Wranglers and then lo and behold out of the blue I get a call from a guy named Joe Presser from the Tulsa Drillers you know they they didn't have an opening and he, he calls and I'm like. You know, and he and he said, "Well, our guy just our guy just left. He he had to stay home for family reasons in Indiana. So we are in desperate need of an announcer. So he he flew me into Tulsa and uh, ended up uh, ended up broadcasting uh, for the Drillers for for seven years and 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 loved every minute of it. The first, uh, you know, the one the one thing I always appreciate about the Drillers is they they've always done it right and." The first thing they did is they sent me to spring training, which was which was a treat down in Port Charlotte. Got to know people. Uh, and then that first year in 1989, you know, the first thing I do is get on a bus and travel nine hours to Jackson, Mississippi to do a broadcast. And the first pitch to the first player that I ever broadcast for the drillers was to Sammy Sosa. And, wow. uh, you know, he was a, a skinny uh, five tool Dominican player who was really, really tremendously athletic. And of course he thickened up as the years went, as the years went on uh, and had a great career. But, but those early years with the drillers were great. You know, you had, you had Juan Gonzalez and, um, and, uh, and Dean Palmer, and and maybe some of these names aren't familiar to you guys, but uh, uh, just tremendous major league players, Monty Ferris, Billy Hasselman, they had 12, 12 guys on that team in 89 that actually made it to the major leagues. So Tremendous talent those years of the with the Texas Rangers. A couple of years later, a uh, guy by the name of Ivan Rodriguez comes through, and and Pudge spent about a half a year with us. So, um, you know, so we got to see a lot of great baseball players. Yeah. Even yeah. though the Drillers didn't win ma- many uh, many uh, championships, they only won they won the second half in 1982. It's the only time they made the playoffs while I was broadcasting. But they had a lot of good, a lot of really good talent coming through. Yeah, and so yeah, that's awesome. So, I mean- to the to TU, yeah. yeah yeah like it just seems like you were you were born to do this thing i don't know maybe it's my tulsa bias coming through here but uh it seems to me like you've got the perfect voice for play-by-play honestly um kind of a silly question but has the has the voice part of it always been you know a natural thing for you did you have to go through any kind of voice training or or did your skill with it mostly you know develop over the years of just doing it yeah, I, I mean, when I first started working in the business, and when I say that, I mean way back to the to the college days when I first, uh, you know, had a chance to do some some voice work on the air and, and and DJing and all that sort of thing. I never really had a voice coach or anything like that. I just kind of 
started doing it and doing <laughs> doing say just sports casts uh, basically off of what I had heard and what what I thought felt the like the right thing and uh, I do remember when I did my first sports cast the guy that was doing the news kind of nodded his head and he he later on just said, okay, yeah, we don't have to bother with him. He, he seems <laughs> he's doing, you know, and I'm like, I didn't have any idea what I was doing to be honest with you. Uh, but evidently I had the right tone and the right ability to, to, to read copy and that sort of thing. And through the years I did a lot of different things. In fact, my first full-time job in, in, in radio was, was a DJ. I was a DJ spinning records from three until seven o'clock in the afternoons at a station in Watertown, New York. And my other part of my job was doing play by play. So, you know, when you first start in the business, uh, it's, it's not often you have the Joe Buck type guy that just gets the job, uh, you know, kind of handed to him by his dad. Uh, and, and Joe is a great announcer and has done just wonderful work. You, you know, you, you get a break like that, but you still have to be good in order to be as, uh, you know, as, as long uh, as he's been in the business. So he's, it's nothing against him, but he, he's very, very good at any rate. Uh, usually people that have to work their way up are doing all sorts of stuff in the radio business. Uh, you know, I did news for a lot of years, did promotions, uh, even a little bit of sales. So, uh, lots of different things early in your career to try to, to try and figure out, first of all, what you want to do. And second, uh, allow you to do what you really like to do, which for me is play by play. Yeah, very cool. I mean, thanks for the breakdown on, you know, the introduction to how you got started moving to here and, and going from there. So really appreciate that. Um, kind of transitioning to uh, Tulsa specific, to you specific, I should say. Um, obviously, you know, one of the hottest topics right now is COVID-19 and the resulting pandemic that's come out of it. Um, do you think, you know, in your opinion, at this point, do you see there being, you know, a quote unquote, full 10-ish game uh, college football season for Tulsa? in the middle of all this? And if so, how do you think that impacts uh, Tulsa's season? Well, I, you know, a lot of people ask me, do you think you'll have a season? I'm like, well, I know we're going to start a season, or at least I'm pretty <laughs> sure we're going to start. I just don't know if we'll finish. I, you know, you all hope, everybody hopes so. Everybody hopes that we're going to be able to get through this and we're going to be able to mitigate as as good as possible and, and mitigate to the point where you can still play and continue to be successful at getting teams out there. They're doing everything in their earthly power, you know, to protect the players. And that's the important part, protect the players and the staff. And that's not easy. And it's, it's something that has taken a lot of work, a lot of folks behind the scenes here at TU, uh, you know, to try to, if you will, create that that bubble or the best bubble that you can possibly create, uh, especially in a situation where you're, you're, you're on campus and, and, and that sort of stuff. But, uh, um, so it's a long answer and probably not an answer to what you're, what you're really asking. I think everybody just hopes we play. I mean, I think everybody hopes that, that we can play what effect it'll have on the team. Goodness gracious. Who knows what effect will it have on your team? What effect will it have on the other team? You know, on on whatever team you happen to be playing that week, every football season is different in that sometimes you catch a team that just had their starting center get injured last week, and so they're different, uh, or or you know they're they're not as good as they were three or four weeks previous to that. So every football season you catch teams uh, during the year at at different points in their season where you're either a lot better than they are, or maybe you're not as as good as they are, but they're changing, you're changing. And in this situation where everything is changing, 
who in the heck knows? I mean, it, it is it is even less. Uh, you even have less of an ability to predict and have an idea of what might happen in any in any particular game. To be honest. Absolutely, yeah. I, I think that's totally right. It seems like it'll be more of you know, like like you mentioned, some you know, you never know if a player is going to be out for a certain game, and it seems like we might just have you know double the amount of that potentially. Um, hopefully not double, but uh, you never know. Well, and, um, but we'll I see mean, what happens with it. Yeah, and you got you guys follow sports, and uh, and I'm a I'm a Boston Bruins fan, and here they are in the bubble. The NHL has had little or no. COVID cases whatsoever, but then Tuka Rask, their starting goaltender, uh, you know, has a situation with his family and he goes home uh, and there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, he, he had to do that because they had a, uh, an illness in the family and, and all of a sudden that affects your, you know, that affects your team drastically. So even in, even in the, the what, what I consider the NHL, the best bubble that's been created that along with the NBA, there can be problems with it. So uh, imagine trying to keep control of college football at this point it's it's going to be interesting and and hopefully as we mentioned the mitigation works and hopefully the decline in covid cases the decline in the death rate also helps a little bit i think uh hopefully that helps us get through it yeah yeah i mean you can't help for much more of that and you got to give credit to the coaches and the administration at tu it seems like they're really doing a great job i know we had that little breakout of eight or so players that came down with it um you know a couple weeks ago and it looks like pretty quickly they were back on their feet, and I think they're all back at practice now, if, I, if I'm remembering that right. Um, so great job yeah. for, for what they're doing, and hopefully that continues. Yeah, they got it going again last Friday, and uh, I think uh, it was, uh, what, Wednesday that I did an interview with Coach, and I think that was practice number five coming back. So, hey, there's no question that when you have a break like that, you, you can still get together and meet you know, and review film and all that, but there's nothing like practicing. And when you miss whatever it was, eight, nine days – it definitely has an impact. It has an impact in your installation of the offense and defense and that sort of thing. And the the good thing for Tulsa is they have some experience. And so hopefully that installation process is not nearly as drastic as it is with a young team. Yeah, definitely. Um, okay. So before we get into kind of some general questions, wanted to hit one more kind of recent headline. Um, and that is, you know, with the announcement of our athletic director, Derek Gregg, leaving to you to become, you know, the senior vice president of inclusion, education, and community involvement for the NCAA. Uh, I wanted to get your thoughts on Greg and the position in general. Um, first, first question, I guess, is did you get to interact with Derek much? Uh, and if so, I'm really curious what you think kind of his biggest slash most important legacies that he's leaving it to you are. Well, we did a, a coaches, we did a coaches, I call it a coaches show. We did an athletic director show for five or six years uh, out of his time here. So I did, I did interact with him uh, quite a bit and, and he, he's a really good guy. Um, he, I, I would suggest his legacy is, is stability and, um, you know, as an athletic director, you have to hire good coaches. And I think he hired a good one in, in, in Frank Haith, and I think he hired a good one in Philip Montgomery. Now, hopefully this year we can, you know, get back to winning on the on the football side. But I, I, I think those are two very important aspects of 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 any athletic director's job. And and in that respect, I think he's been real solid. And uh, you know, it's 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 too bad uh, that he's leaving. However, the position could not have been written any better for any person than for Derek Grant. He is he is perfect for the position that he's going to, and uh, and I think he'll he'll do a great job there. And but but we'll miss him. Yeah, and I think you're absolutely right. I was watching his uh, his you know 
leaving TU interview, his exit interview, I guess, um, and a little press conference going on there. And some of the things he talked about, he brought it up a few times, you know, how, how successful he's been with diverse hiring. And he, I think he's hired six coaches for the University of Tulsa, three of which have been men and three have been women. Um, when he talked about his entire career, he had hired 15 different coaches and it was split five, five and five. Um, I can't remember what the, uh, what the categories were there, but he obviously right. puts a big focus on diversity and inclusion. And, you know, I really enjoyed listening to his perspective on, on a lot of those parts of it and what he's going to take to the NCAA. So like you said, I think this is the uh, job he was born for, his dream job maybe. Um, I'm really looking forward to, you know, hopefully seeing how he does there and hopefully he stays in touch with TU. Absolutely. Okay. So uh, another thing about Greg, just before we move on, do you have any, um, you know, totally fine if you don't, but any initial hopes and or guesses um, of, you know, who might be in the running to replace him as athletic director? Yeah, I really don't, uh, Ryan. I, uh, you know, um, <laughs> a lot, a lot of folks will like, uh, especially people that are trying to get the scoop, but they'll, I think they've given up on trying to call me to find out, you know, what, okay. what's going on because I, you know, as much as people think, Oh, you're an insider and you should know. I, I am sometimes the last guy to know, <laughs> yeah. to be yeah, honest. Okay. I mean, I, and, and, and in so much as it's, it's not my job, obviously, as the, as the play-by-play guy and director of sports broadcasting at TU to be the first to know, uh, you know, it's, I'm, I'm not in competition with all the other media folks, if you will, to, to get the scoop and all that sort of thing. So it, it's not nearly as interesting to me. Uh, sure. I want to find out. Everybody wants to know. Uh, but it's, it's not digging at me to go find out who's, who's coming off a plane to get interviewed and all that sort of stuff. That's for the TV guys and the, and the radio guys that are out there, uh, you know, trying to get the scoop, but that that's for them. Uh, for me, uh, I just, you know, I just think, I just think and I hope that they, they come up with, you know, somebody that's, uh, you know, good, good, solid, you know, fundraiser and a guy that, you know, that can come in and, and really do a terrific job of, of, of the same thing. Hiring coaches, uh, you know, is, is so very important. And uh, so, you know, as far as guesses, no idea. And, uh, you know, the first step will be probably an interim athletic director. And then and then you go from there. Right. Yep. 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 I wouldn't yep. be surprised if that's how it went. Uh, I think that makes a ton of sense. And I'm not surprised. Uh, you know, I, we have no idea. Obviously, I haven't heard anything either, but wanted to pick your brain in case you had heard something to totally understand. Um, <laughs> okay. So moving to some more uh, kind of general questions. Um, man, you've been at TU, correct me if I'm wrong here, but since 1993, is that right? Correct. 93, fall of 93 was my first football season. Yeah. So 27 years. I mean, that's plenty of uh, sports memories to draw from. Um, a question that we had uh, a listener actually send in um, was what season, and it can be any sport, and this is going to be maybe a tough one to pick off the top of your head, but what season was most surprising to you? So in what season did the team, uh, you know, most surpass or even most disappoint you in your expectations for that year? Probably 2003 football. Um, Tulsa had gone 12 straight years with losing records. Uh, Steve Cragthorpe came in, uh, good young coach, exciting, you know, energy, all of that stuff. But we've seen, you know, we had seen new coaches before uh, that didn't work out. So um, probably the the fact that he was able to turn it around in one year from consecutive one and ten and one and eleven seasons, using a lot of Keith Burns players, maybe a, a recruit or two of his own, 
but he was able to turn that into an eight and five year and the first bowl game since 1991. Um, to me, that was probably, uh, really, really surprising. Um, and, and, and gratifying because, you, you know, the football program really needed that shot in the arm. Now, the next year he actually had a losing record, but then two more winning records after that, including a Conference USA Championship in 05, uh, which, by the way, 15, 15, 15 years ago now, believe it or not, um, you know, and then another good year in 06. So probably that was the most surprising year because it kind of came out of the blue and that, you know, he and his staff just did a wonderful job of, of, of turning things around. And in fact, uh, I can I can take a look off to my right and see a, you know, there's still a there's, you know, on my on my back wall, there's still a plaque which was given to all the players. And I guess I I guess as a staff member, I earned one. But it's a basic plaque of the entire team. Uh, and then in the lower right hand corner, attitude and effort. Those are the two big words for Steve Cragthorpe. And yeah. you have to have attitude in order to give effort. And, uh, you know, it, it was it was just a remarkable turnaround for the team. And he was he was a really good coach. Yeah. And yeah. I'm uh, this is Matt here. Yeah. I was going to ask you about Steve Cragthorpe because I was watching it's an interview you gave a couple of years ago. And you mentioned that you thought he was kind of the driver uh, that made football kind of relevant again, which I mean, you have 12 losing seasons in a row. That kind of makes sense. Do you think at this point that football is kind of like the driving sport on campus, or is it still kind of a combination of football, basketball, and some of the other ones? Yeah, I think it's a combination, uh, Matt, of both football and basketball. I mean, for a lot of years in the 90s, it was basketball that was kind of driving the ship, if you will. It was basketball that was having the success, and it was basketball that had all the headlines and that kind of thing. And occasionally football would come up with the, with the big upset, like in 96 winning at OU and uh, defeating Iowa that year. And uh, who was number 19 at the time in a win at home. So, I mean, uh, football had their moments, but basketball was the more consistent thing in the nineties and into the two thousands. And then of course, you know, there were, there were a couple of down years in basketball and football kind of kicked it in there in 2003. So uh, I think they're both, I think, you know, Tulsa's in a situation where both teams can be equally effective. And, and, and I think, you know, the athletic department honestly needs both of them to be good. Uh, and I think, uh, when they're both humming, like, you know, a couple of years ago, you had, you had Tulsa winning the, the, uh, Miami beach bowl and Tulsa also going to the NCAA tournament. That's pretty heady stuff. There weren't a whole lot of universities that were doing that that year. I think it was one of the few. So, uh, that's kind of a cool deal when you can get them both going at the same time. Yeah. That's, uh, it's kind of like how we feel, and it's, you know, we definitely liked it because we graduated back in 17, and so we got to live some of those years, and it was really nice when both teams were humming. Um, so this is just a question. I noticed that before games on Twitter, you'll post your note sheet that you just have on all the players and stuff, and they look super detailed. So I was just wondering if you could kind of give us an idea of what kind of things do you take notes on? Like, what are the important things that you like to uh, have in mind before you're about to do play-by-play -play for a game? Yeah, and I think what you're referring to, Matt, is the, the um, I'll take a shot of the field on Twitter, and it'll have at the bottom, usually have one of my charts kind of sitting yep. out. Um, yeah, every play-by-play -play guy has his own system. Uh, every play-by-play -play guy has his own uh 
hieroglyphics, if you will. I mean, somebody could probably look at my charts and not have an understanding of what the heck I wrote down. But uh, for the most part, you want to get, and this is for me, I want to get all of the information that I can possibly get on my charts. And basically, I have uh, 11 by 17 uh, cardstock pieces of paper, if you will, or cardstock, uh, what, whatever, with, with, with our offense, their defense, their defense, our offense. Uh, so four four pages of that, uh, and I and I pack as you as you may have been able to notice just by looking at it. I pack as much information as possible on those four pages uh, because you know I'm a slob by nature. So uh, and and you have all sorts of eleven you know eleven by eight and a half sheets of paper with stats and all sorts of other stuff and. Um, you know, a lot of chaff that's not even worth looking at, but uh, you have all of the, but if you have something like an 11 by 17 sheet, <laughs> you know, I mean, that, that kind of sticks out and it is, it's kind of my Bible. And, uh, but I try to get, first of all, you want to get, you know, the two deep or three deep or ever, how many you want to put in each position. You want to get all those names down. You want to get, you know, obviously number, height, weight, year. Uh, and that's the basis for for what I do when I create a chart. And then generally I'll get all of that information down and also included on that information is all the team stats in the upper right-hand corner. You'll see, you know, how many points to score a game, how many yards they have a game, how many rushing yards, passing yards, third down conversions, fourth down conversions, red zone, all of that stuff is on that sheet. Uh, and once I get that done, then I print it off and then I start handwriting in all of the other stuff, which would be statistics, you know, current statistics for Zach Smith, you know, uh, percentages, yards, uh, other notes like he's had seven 300-yard passing games in his career, four, four for Tulsa. You know, that kind of stuff is all written in that little box where his name is. Uh, and and everything from, like I say, those, those stats, um, you know, he's number seven all-time passer at TU or whatever has, you know, is usually down there. In the lower right-hand corner, they'll, you know, and again, this is my system, and so I understand it. In the lower right-hand corner, there'll be a, a little a little note that says CHI, and people might not know what that is, but I do. It's it's career high, so 463 yards against OU against, you know, uh, with Baylor against OU back, you know, before he joined Tulsa. That's his career high. So you use a system that you're comfortable with. You put down as much information, or at least I do, put down as much information as possible on on those sheets. And in basketball, I have an, another another 11 by 17 sheet, which has both teams' rosters on it. And it's the same thing. Um, jam as much information as you can on that one sheet. Now, the that sheet is your Bible, so don't lose, you know. Yeah, right. And I, I have done this for 27 years, and I'll just tell you guys a story. This past year, when we went to Tulane, we're in New Orleans, and and we generally our general deal is to go if we can go the night before and set up equipment and get kind of some of the stuff in place and that sort of stuff. And then I also do a podcast like you guys do. I do I have the Hurricane podcast, and it's usually on the road, on road with a cane, and um, you know it's me and Rick and Jeremy doing the doing doing a, a show. And so while while my engineer's setting up the equipment, we're running to the next the next booth over, which happened to be the, uh, visiting ADs box, uh, at Tulane. And we, and we record this onto a tape recorder. And then of course I turn it into the, to the podcast. So when I was over there, you know, I take, I take what I just described to you, which are those four 
11 by 17 sheets that that is my Bible with me. And, uh, you know, so I can reference some things as we talk about it. So anyway, we get all done with all that stuff. And I walk out of there and I take the equipment out and we were doing some other stuff and, and I leave and we leave and I go back to the hotel room and I discover that I had left those sheets in that booth. Ouch. And I'm apoplectic at that point. I'm like, <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking, and of course at this point it's nine or 10 at night, so I really can't go back. So I call that sports information director and I say, look, you know, when you get there in the morning, will you please check this room and make sure that those sheets are there. Otherwise, I've got to recreate the entire thing, which takes a week to do. Uh, so at any rate, long story short, um, I, I decide to, to panic and go in with the equipment guys who go in like for a seven o'clock game, they'll go at like nine in the morning. So I, I, I hitch a ride with them and I go all the way to Tulane looking for this for these sheets. And I go up into the press box and I go directly to that room that I was in, the visiting AD's booth, and they're not there. I go into the radio booth hoping that maybe somebody just threw them in there. They're not there. I'm panicking now, and I'm looking all over the place. So the next thing I do is I dumpster dive. I start looking in every trash can that's up there, and in the, as you might expect, in the final trash can, um, far end, I find these very important sheets of mine folded up and in the garbage. And yeah. I'm thinking to myself, what <laughs> – you know, what, what cleaning person would look at that and think it wasn't important? You know, they just went half and through. So, you know, I mean, it had honey mustard on it and whatever. So I cleaned it up. And fortunately enough, this is a very long story, but that is, that was so important to me that I went there so early in the morning because I knew if I couldn't find it, I'd have to recreate the entire deal again. So <laughs> very important when you have a Bible like that, that you do not lose it. And that's the only time <laughs> yeah. I've ever lost track of of those sheets so it's uh um i think it's a right system but it's a wrong system when you lose them right yeah and i i i've listened to the eye of the golden or the eye of the hurricane podcast several times i actually had listened to that episode and i'm sorry that that story um happened to you but man that was one of the best episodes of that podcast it was so fun to listen to yeah it was uh you know and then and then i i you know find what i found and then i breathe a deep sigh of relief and and there, you know, there, there's 9:30, and I've decided I'm not going to go back to the hotel. So I just hung out at the, at the stadium the rest of the time and continued preparation, which, which is something that's ongoing right up until you go on the air. Yeah, nice. Okay, well, cool. I know we've only got you for a couple more minutes, so I wanted to kind of maybe lightning round some listener questions that we got from Twitter, yep. if you don't mind. Yep. Um, okay, so the first one comes from Logan, Logan underscore TU1. Uh, he asks, who is your favorite player that you've ever covered uh, well, during your time at TU? Ooh, boy, that's, ooh, that's a <laughs> I know that's a tough one. Tough one. Um, you know, like in football, if you want to talk quarterbacks, it would be, you know, a tie between Dane Evans and Paul Smith probably. Mm -hmm. uh, but gosh, there's so many other favorites, uh, you know, through the years that 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 stick out. Um and basketball-wise, goodness, it's got to be Shea Seals. Uh, he was he was a freshman when I was a freshman, if you will, my first year. He was <laughs> his first year, and uh, you know he's he's still the greatest player that Tulsa's ever had. But goodness, you know, there's Michael Ruffin and there's Eric Coley, who was the the heartbeat of the 2000 team. Um, lots of lots of great players, but those those are the ones that kind of stick out. Awesome. 
another one comes from Palmer Watkins, who is at under or at the underscore Palmski, and he asks, "What's been your favorite call from throughout your career?" And that's another another hard one. Probably, if I were to split it off into football and basketball, Lou Dawkins shot from the corner in 1994, which basically clinched the OSU win, which got Tulsa to their uh, first ever Sweet 16, and then. A lot of them in football, but probably the 99-yard touchdown pass from Troy Degar to Wes Caswell, uh, which helped Tulsa win the 1996 game at OU. Now, these seem to be very early in my career, so it's like, yeah, those are those are pretty seminal events and plays. There have been a whole lot more, though. I mean, there's been um, oh, yeah. a, a lot of different, you know, Tony Hurd's three-pointer in 2000. There's, you know, I mean, there's a lot of different uh, different plays that can come to mind, but those are probably the, the, the ones that probably at the top of the list. Cool. Um, a third one, uh, from Chris Rathbone, Chris underscore Rathbone on Twitter. He said, or he asks, and this is a little bit different variation. Um, but what, uh, has there ever been a, or I guess what was the worst penalty called where you had to, you know, as a broadcaster, you know, bite your tongue and not, uh, give your opinion on it. Hmm. You know, penalties, you're talking about football, obviously, but penalties are sometimes hard to, um, you know, you only see what you see. So sometimes you wonder, you know, if that was that a good call or, or not. Um, gen- so generally the ones that you see are something like a really, there was a really, really bad interference call against a Tulsa defensive back. It might've been Reggie Robinson two years ago down at Cincinnati where he had perfect position and went up, got the interception. The guy went over his back and, and, and interfered with him. They called in, they called interference on him and, and negated a, an interception. That was, that was a really, a really, really bad one. Um, in the Notre Dame game in 2010, which by the way, 10 years ago, so you, you were talking about another kind of anniversary deal. Uh, 10, 10 years ago, Tulsa, was on their game-winning drive against Notre Dame, uh, trailing 27-25. They had, oh, they had just committed a penalty of their own. Uh, they they just committed a penalty, so they were deep, and they were faced with third down and like 22 or something like that, and they completed a great ball down the field for a first down, and everything looked good except for they, they and, and replays did prove this out, that Ricky Johnson, who was the inside receiver on the play, uh, just barely brushed up against a safety or somebody for, for Notre Dame, and they called him for offensive pass interference, which negated a first down. The very next play, G.J. Kinney, fortunately enough, hit Ricky Johnson in the seam route for 32, and Tulsa kept the drive. It was like third down and tw- third down 27. So yeah. justice was served because Tulsa got the first down and then later on kicked a field goal and won the game. So, yeah, the, those are those are probably a couple of the worst. Yeah, very cool. Good to hear your your uh, perspectives on all that stuff. So, I, a final question, real quick, and then we'll let you go. Um, okay. But another one from a, from a listener. Final one is, uh, you know, throughout your twenty seven years um, doing this as a career, have you ever considered, you know, switching directions a little bit and joining a football staff as you know, getting involved with recruiting or something like that, or have have you been all in on uh, broadcast the entire time? I don't have really any other marketable skills other than what I'm <laughs> so um, no, I, I, I never, you know, I thought way, way back when maybe I was in high school and was considering my college choices. I thought I might want to be a coach, uh, 
but I've seen enough of coaching to know that I don't want to do it and don't want to be a part of that. And, and it's not because it's not a great, you know, way to make a living. It is. Um, but I just, yeah, I just kind of like what I'm doing, but no, I've not, uh, not considered doing anything else. And like I said, I get, I get a great seat. I get to watch and describe the game. Um, and then they pay me for it. So that's, that's pretty good. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you're doing more than your share of work for sure. Um, from the broadcast booth. So we absolutely appreciate having you here. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't want to keep you any longer. I know we're a few minutes over time. So I just want to say thanks again. This was an absolute pleasure to have you on. Been looking forward to it uh, for a long time since we started the podcast. It's been, uh, you know, can we get Bruce Howard on at some point while we're doing this thing? So I started this, you know, back in 2018 and finally got you. So we're super pumped, super pumped about it. Thanks again for coming on and really appreciate you taking the time. Hey, no, no problem. And, and guys, anytime you want to uh, shoot, shoot, uh, shoot the bull about it, that would be, <laughs> That would be fine by me. I'm 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 really appreciative that you guys thought of me and uh, uh, you know Ryan Matt any any time uh, and uh, and and you know if if you need me for for you know to kill a half an hour I I can certainly do it because us guys that do this for a living seem to be able to talk I guess so yeah yeah th- well th- hey if there's thank a, you for if me. there's no if there's no football season or anything this year and we're all sitting around board we might have to get together once again there you go. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks a lot, Bruce. We'll talk to you later. Um, I, I just want to give a shout out to the Eye of the Hurricane podcast. If you guys are hoping to do that again this year, it was a blast to listen to last year. So anyone who's on the lookout for another Tulsa sports podcast, definitely give that a look. Yeah. And we've been doing one or two a week, you know, really through the whole summer and just trying to yeah. keep valid with that. So yeah, definitely appreciate the shout out on that. Absolutely. All right, Bruce. Well, thanks. Thanks a ton again. And we will talk to you later. We'll, we'll keep an eye keep an ear out, I guess, for you on the call. There you go, Ryan, Matt, thank you so much. So thanks again to Bruce uh, for coming on to be our guest for the first episode. We were really excited to have him. Uh, It was a really fun conversation. Um, So I guess just now that we're here at the end of our first episode, we're kind of taking a look forward. Um, We know like a lot of this is up in the air based on football schedule and stuff like that. And so as of now, we know that our first game is at OSU on September 12th. Uh, which gives us, what, like two weeks, week and a half or so from when this is probably coming out. So right now our plan is to do our big football preview episode next week. Um, and I'm really excited about that. I know, uh, like, if people have been following on Twitter, I built, like, a little macro on Excel. And little. Went through, it's pretty like, big. 970-something-odd plays uh, for the offense. I still need to do the defense, and so I've got – my deadline is a week now. Um, but – just built up this macro so I can just pretty much pull out any sort of stat like at will. And so I'm really excited to spend an entire episode going over that, uh, as well as just other off-season stuff and anything else that we kind of want to talk about. Yeah, I think that's going to be awesome. Uh, I mean, I know, I for one, I'm really looking forward to seeing the results of all your hard work over the summer. I know it's been a lot for you. Um, and I know we did a little bit of the stats quiz already on Twitter and everything like that. Uh, but Matt, do you remember that question off the top of your head? Uh, the one for, for from today. Yeah. yeah. It was just the average number of drives before we score our first touchdown last right. year. So yeah, very nice. So yeah, if you've got a good answer for that, check us out on Twitter. Um, see if you get the answer right. I think Matt usually announces it. Was it? Yeah. This, a couple I days set after. this one to, to expire. So honestly, it'll probably, by the time this episode <laughs> is out, we will know that it was four is the correct answer. There you go. Cool. But yeah, really looking forward to the football season preview next week. Lots to talk about, of course, with all of that. 
Um, and just, I mean, I was thinking like we were in the middle of the interview just now with Bruce and we had these questions outlined that we were going to ask and he would answer and bring something up in the middle of it. And, you know, I would think of something else I wanted to ask him, but there are just so many things happening right now that you could talk about in the world of sports, uh, anything related to you, you know, so much stuff going on with TU right now in general, all the budget concerns they're facing, uh, how, how those are magnified now with COVID and, you know, they dropped a ton of degree programs within the last year. So many things that we could have gotten to with him. But obviously, I mean, the man has limited time. He is very busy. Uh, he does such a great job for the university. So couldn't get to everything, but really, really enjoyed getting to chat with him for a bit. Just a first-class guy before we started recording or anything like that. Just as friendly as you would imagine him to be. Um, had a fantastic little chat with him before. Uh, it's just so awesome getting to talk to him and so I just wanted to give one more shout out to him once again for taking the time out of his what I know to be a very busy schedule. And I do want to say again, if you are looking for another Tulsa sports podcast to check out, um, I would absolutely take a look at the Eye of the Hurricane podcast that he runs. They do an incredible job. It is always a blast. Audio quality is top notch, of course, coming from uh, Bruce and his crew. Uh, I mean, the story he told about leaving his Bible, quote unquote, behind in the guest AD room, I think it was at the Tulane Stadium. He told that on that podcast, uh, you know, when that episode came out and that was just such a good episode. I was laughing my head off. I don't remember the episode number off the top of my head, but that was just such a good story. Uh, again, like obviously bummer that it happened to him, but a great story to hear on the back end. Uh, so definitely worth finding that episode if you want to give it another listen. Um, so yeah, Matt, anything else you wanted to talk about today or you want to leave it for the big football preview next week? Um, I'm just excited. Uh, season threes. I mean, we've, I feel like we've did a lot of branding uh, change stuff, and so yeah. it's pretty exciting. Uh, I'm really excited for this season. Um, you know, we got new equipment, new logo, new intro. We're like, I'm definitely putting more of my own money into this now, and I know I know you are as well. Um, and that's because we're in it for the long haul. We're uh, we're TU fans, uh, probably until we die. Um, which hopefully is not soon, but. I will say my loyalties, like, I mean, thankfully the seasons aren't at the same time because now I'm a uh, student at University of Nebraska-Lincoln, hashtag go big red, let's go Scott Frost. <laughs> um, so maybe, you know, UNL and Tulsa, if they play each other sometime soon, I will definitely not root for UNL. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's going to be super cool. And <laughs> Yeah. We didn't even bring up the new logo and yeah, that will be out by the time that we release this episode. We haven't even teased that on Twitter. We haven't done anything about it. So by the time this comes out, that new logo should be out. If it's not, uh, then something went very wrong. Um, so hopefully it is out by the time you're listening to this. Very thankful, very thankful for the couple of people who have helped work with us on that one. Um, super fun thing there, fun to work on. And then, yeah, lots of fun changes also coming to the website in the near future, one of which is actually already out there now if you go looking for it. Um, but we will... Uh, talk about that later. <laughs> I mean, it's not really a surprise or, any, or, or whatever, but uh, I'll just leave it for you to find. And yeah, I mean, finally, really stoked for this season. As Matt mentioned, we did put some time in over the summer to really try and up the quality a little bit, make sure we have our bases covered with everything else related to the podcast. And as I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, we did have some audio issues, uh, kind of distortion related things going on. And that is related to all the new stuff that we've got over the summer. And this was our first time kind of putting it into practice. Um, so some of that didn't quite work properly. 
we did find the root cause of the issue and that is resolved. Um, so any, you know, future episodes won't have those same problems. We were able to cut some of them out um, in post while editing, but uh, couldn't get all of them. So future episodes that will be fixed and we're super stoked about our setup. But yeah, uh, I'll close it out. If you like the show, um, share it on Twitter, tell a friend about it. Uh, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Uh, we really appreciate all of that. If you want to support us, there are a couple different ways to do that. You can find them both on our website, just go to thegoldenhurricast.com slash support, and you'll find both avenues there. And finally, you can find us primarily on Twitter. We are at Golden Hurricast. Or if you want to send us an email, you can do that. Uh, just send an email to thegoldenhurricast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, everybody. And we will talk to you next week. It's been so long uh, since I got to say that last. So very excited about getting this rolling once again. Um, but yeah, we will we'll talk to you next week. Stay golden. Ooh, I got to come up with my own my own uh, thing. Do I want to do the Whisper Hurricast? Mm. Stay golden. What do I want to say here? Pony boy. <laughs> I'll figure it out. Mm-hmm.